Welcome to the Funding Love Podcast. I'm Mallory. And I'm Caitlin. We are two adoptive moms that seek to love, support, and elevate all corners of the adoption triad through honest conversation and interviews while running our nonprofit, Funding Love. Funding Love creates post-adoption experiences that strengthen bonds, build community, and restore people. We are Funding Love. Let's go. Hey, Mal, have you gotten your ticket to the gala yet? Oh yeah, Tim and I actually snagged a whole table so that we can sit together with eight of our friends. So exciting. I can't wait to see you there. It's going to be a spectacular night. Yes, it is. Dinner, entertainment, silent auction. And I hear Mickey and Minnie might be there as well. That's right. Our top donors are going to have the opportunity to get a private funding love meet and greet with the main mouse and his lovely gal, Minnie. We still have space available for a presenting sponsor and two more gold sponsors, but once those spots are gone, they're gone. There are many ways to attend and participate. You can purchase individual tickets, a whole table that seats 10, or snag one of our few remaining sponsorships that come with all kinds of extra perks and goodies. Oh yeah, you can also donate services or items to our silent auction. Our goal is to raise over $100,000 at our inaugural fundraising gala, so every single donation and ticket sale matters. Visit our site at fundinglove.com backslash gala to purchase your ticket, become a sponsor, or donate an item to the auction. When you partner with us, you are funding love. Hello and welcome back to the Funding Love Podcast. It is February 13th. I am Mallory and this is episode 46 of the Funding Love Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Caitlin. Hi Caitlin. Hey Mal, we're creeping up on that one year. We're creeping up on like week 52, episode 52. Yes, we are in our second week of February, which is Black History Month, and we've got some great podcasts lined up for this month. And so today's episode, I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah, me too. We we have a friend. Um, our husbands work with her. She is a fellow travel agent, and her name is Tiffany Pollard. And I'm so excited to have her on the episode. So Tiffany is a mom of five. She has four biological boys, one adopted daughter. Uh, she's married to Jeremy, who is a pastor at Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina. Tiffany, she she loves to read to her kids and play baseball with them outside. That's some, some of her favorite things to do. She's published two books, which I hope we can kind of talk about because I didn't know that about her. So that'll be that'll be fun to talk to um, her about that. And her family loves to travel and make memories together as we do. So I'm so excited to talk to her about a really cool topic. The episode name here is what we're calling is Mixed Families, Raising Children Across Racial Boundaries. So it's a really important conversation, especially this month, I feel like to have. So Welcome, Tiffany, to the Funding Love Podcast. I am so excited to be here, you guys. Yay. So so to get started, just tell us, um, we've already kind of touched on a little bit, but how you're connected to the adoption community and uh, how old your, your daughter is that you brought home through adoption and, and talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Esther is eight now. Um, she was adopted through an open domestic adoption, so we are still in contact with um, both her birth mom and her birth dad. She does not have the same a tint of skin color as we do. Mm-hmm. Her birth mom is from a country in Europe and her birth dad is from the coast of Africa. So she's very beautiful, but yeah, <laughs> she definitely does she not look is. like Jeremy and I and the boys. She just, she definitely doesn't look like us. Yeah. So that, you know, that can come of course with a whole, I guess, I don't want to say uh, issues cause it's not issues, but a whole 
it's different layers, right, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. raising a child who doesn't look like you in skin tone. And so, you know, like Mal was saying, February is Black History Month. And I, I love that this month gives us an excuse to talk about the importance of understanding, accepting and prioritizing the different cultures and ethnicities that adoption allows us. And, you know, as we know, the adoption community and families are often of many different cultures, just like you're saying, your daughter has a European culture and an African culture, which is so cool. But tell us a little bit, I know we just, just talked about it, but how, how about your family and how God has built your family. So yeah. from the get-go, from you have four boys, where yeah. does your daughter fit in? Tell us <laughs> okay. about that. So our boys are, our older boys are 16, 14, and 12. We decided to adopt internationally, and then God changed our hearts to domestic. And mm-hmm. then still he gave us this beautiful international baby domestically. Yeah. So then we had, we got Esther. And then a month after Esther came home, uh, we found out we were pregnant. So that was wow. a big surprise. Yeah. So Keenan is the youngest. It's another boy, of course. And he is 10 months. Um, he's 10 months younger than Esther. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. It was so they're, cool They're like the twinsies a little bit. That's... <laughs> they are. Yeah. She's like his mom, honestly. She, yeah. she takes... It's it's her baby. It's not It's not mine. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love also that you said earlier that she, you have an open um, Mm -hmm. adoption with her birth mom and birth father. Mm -hmm. And often you don't hear that with the birth father. Yeah. Mal and I talk a lot about birth moms and we've talked to a lot of birth moms and our kids, we have an open adoption with their birth moms, but not their Mm -hmm. birth fathers. And so that's, that's really cool. Yeah. If I might say that's really cool. That was actually unexpected. Like that kind of picked up more, even Esther's eight and that kind of started mainly last year oh wow so it's been it's been an interesting thing for sure yeah so this next statement I found this the when I was doing some research and preparing for this episode I found this online I honestly don't know who said it but I can't take credit for it and it says helping multiracial children make sense of their racial heritage and develop a positive racial identity can be an intricate and challenging task for parents and in this process parents not only need to have a clear understanding of their own racial identity but also need to be able to gauge how their messages about race shape their child's self-concept. So, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. It's kind of a big statement, but in your opinion, how important is this? I mean, there's not many more important things, I feel like, when it comes to, like, raising Esther. And I think for us, like, we were unaware that, like, we had racial tendencies. Like, so we had to go back and ask the question, like, what kind of books are in our house? Mm-hmm. Like, who's the main character? Do you know? Like, what are the movies that we're watching? What about the music that we're listening to? So little things that you don't think about until you bring this child home. And you're like, I am forcing this child to live in a completely white society. Yeah. that she can't relate to anyone that, even in the books and, and the movies, she can't relate. And so we've had to be very intentional with just broadening who's around us, who's at our dinner table, all those things. But yeah, I think that that statement is right on. Like, that's huge. I mean, even in conversations that you can have that you, like you said, you don't realize you have tendencies, whether the intention in your heart of it is not, it's not bad. It's just, you don't realize it until you have a child that you love that's in your family that you now you're like, gosh, that might've not been right to say, you know what I mean? And, and so that I can imagine you're still learning. I mean, she's eight, right? So that's something I'm sure you guys are still navigating as a family, teaching your boys, you know, and even, your other family, 
you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all of that, I feel like it's so important to just educate them because you worry so much about something that's said that can hurt your child. Yeah. And I I have a question too. Do you feel like you were educated on this prior to bringing her home? Because I find that a lot of adoptive parents that I talk to, like, and when we were going through the adoption process, there we were educated on it. But I feel like a lot of times... Some people can take the idea of like, well, we're going to love them no matter what. Like, we're not going to see their color. But really, you do need to and you need to to incorporate that into your life. And so do you feel like um, going into it, you were prepared for that? Or has it been something you've learned along the way? I think they try to prepare us. Like, and I think like when we found out we were bringing Esther home, like, for example, like I got all the books from the library I could from the two countries that I knew was going to be like her heritage and just like and just read all of them. But yeah, I feel like they warned us, but there wasn't, and warns is probably a hard word. It, it was almost a warning from the agency, like you need to be aware of this. But I didn't, I don't feel like we really realized it until she was here. Because like you were saying, Mally, people will say things, they don't even, they don't mm-hmm. even know, you know? We had a really hard situation with a family member, and this was extreme, but this is just what it came down to. The racial tendencies were so strong and they were much older that we literally had to cut ties. And oh. like, I had to say to that person, like, I know you don't know what you're saying. Like, you don't mean this, but like, this is hurtful. And like, so she was not allowed to come to our house anymore. Like we did, we did not do a lot of functions and like that grieved me, but mm-hmm. I had, like, I had to choose Esther over what made me comfortable because she's not always comfortable. So why do I think that I should always be comfortable you know so yeah so I was not prepared for that so yeah we I think we had to learn and we're still learning along the way yeah Yeah. absolutely we had we had somebody on the podcast last year his name was Jonathan Adam and he grew up he was a, a transracial adoptee that grew up in a white family and we asked him this question and I'll ask you the same thing do you think that if you have tendencies and you feel like you have maybe opinions that don't line up with bringing a child into your family do you think that just because you want to adopt, you should adopt of any race. I think you need to really pray about that. <laughs> yeah. Because he was saying just because you want to adopt, just because it's yeah. on your heart, you can't naively say, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. We're going to love them um, no matter their color when you haven't really checked your heart yet. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe you have and you have some things in your heart that maybe, whether it's right or wrong, that pull and you do it mm-hmm. anyways, you're doing a disservice, in my opinion, to that child, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, because when you bring them home, like, you have to start evaluating everything. Like, where where do I live? Like, is it just all white people? For You know, like, what about the school my kids are in or the church that I go to? Like, all of those things were questions that we had to ask before the adoption was finalized. Yeah, so many, so many layers. So Esther, Esther is still young, but certainly old enough to notice the differences, right, between the culture of her family and her God-given ethnicity. But knowing you, I can only imagine that you've navigated it with so much grace. Um, can you give our listeners some wisdom about navigating these conversations and honesty and understanding? I know that you said already you gave us that example of your family, but walk us through like some conversations maybe that you've had or that you have kind of maybe, if you haven't had, you've prepared yourself to have about this with, with Esther and maybe with family members. I think first of all, when the child begins to ask those questions, like mom, like why is my skin a different color than yours? 
it's never planned. We could be having dinner and all of a sudden the question comes up and we're just like, like, whoa, like, um, and that's where very much like tapping into the spirit and just seeing like, okay, like you've got to guide this conversation because I really have no idea what to say. But when that has come up and it has come up a lot, just, I guess some examples, I try to point out the things that Esther and I do have in common as in like, like, Hey baby, like maybe our skin is different, but we both love to watch Carolina basketball, you know, or we both love to play basketball or play basketball or play soccer. Like I just try to connect us in other ways, even though our, our skin does not match. Does that make sense? I also very much try to celebrate her constantly saying, even when she doesn't ask, Esther, I love your skin. Like it's so beautiful. Like I love your curly hair and learning how to do her hair. Like is a whole thing, you guys. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I was not prepared for that, but I've tried to intentionally when I do her hair, even though some nights, like, I just don't want to because it's so much work to say, like, <laughs> I love this. Like, we're going to do your hair, you know, and trying to make it feel positive instead of, like, a negative thing. Right. So I think celebrating her differences, um, but also being real. Like, if she if she wants to cry, like, we're going to cry, you know. Like, if she wants to look at her baby book, which is, like, massive, right, because I've tried to keep everything, like, we're going to look at her baby book. Like, it's just it's just being flexible and, and hearing her. Yeah, I, th- I think there's probably so many more things, but those are kind of the things that we've done. So I, I just have a, a question about her African culture. Is that something that you guys talk about or, I mean, because that's really, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. So when she was a tiny, tiny, we bought a map of the world and we put a star where her birth mom was from and a star where her birth dad is from. Oh, how cute And we that. like, yeah, like one of the first things Esther could do was like point to the map and, and show us for everybody. And then we do a star where we were. So very, very much talk about those things. Oh, that is, that is so cute. Yeah, I love that. So we talked um, mm-hmm. before about the fact that adoption isn't supposed to be, right? And in a perfect world, Mal and I have talked about this a lot, yes. that in a perfect world, we wouldn't need adoption, right? Adoption, but because God's grace and adoption exists, it's, a, it's God's gift of redemption in a broken world. So I bring this up because I feel like there's often conversations about the difficulties like we're talking about now or the challenges of bringing a child into your home of a different race or a different color. But let's like flip that script for a minute and talk about like what a gift it is and how like how beautiful it is for your family, for your boys, for the world to see this. Let's talk about that. Yeah, this this is an emotional one for me um, because it has definitely changed like our outlook. I think about John 15 where like, there's greater no greater love than to love others and that others doesn't have to mean that they look like you and so we've definitely had to put that in action our boys here's another part our boys will fight you to the death <laughs> over any kind of racial thing that they pick up on because mm. Esther, Esther's theirs you know what I mean and we've put them in you know unique places like we've gone to celebrations like at festivals where we were the only white people there. Um, So that's been good for all of us. We've, I feel like at first it was like when I would take Esther out in public, people that had the same skin tone as her would always talk about her hair. And like, sometimes it would kind of offend me. Like they would give me suggestions and I was like, Ooh, like Mm. I tried my best, you know, but through that, like now I feel like I understand more. So like if I see someone with amazing hair, you guys know, like beautiful, big hair. I'm mm-hmm. like, so we need to talk because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And so I feel like in a tiny way, entering into a culture that's different than ours um, has just overall been so good for us um, as a family. Yeah. It opens your eyes to the bigger picture, right? How yeah. big the world is beyond 
beyond just what we know, you know, beyond what we've grown up in, beyond what is in front of us. You know, I mean, I've talked about this so many times, just not even adoption related, but uh, my husband and I grew up in a very small town in Michigan. I mean, people that live and die there, they're the same. That's all they know. It's a little farming community. Everybody does the same thing. It's usually trade work. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing at all wrong with that. That's a simple life. But when we moved to South Florida, the culture shock was, I mean, extreme. Looking back, I don't know how I survived it, but like there was, there was so many cultures down here in South Florida that I didn't even know existed. So Haiti. I didn't know Haiti. I didn't know what Haiti was. It's a, it's an island. It's a country. And Creole mm-hmm. is the language. What is, I thought Creole was like a, like a dish. Like, you know, like a dish you eat. Like, I didn't know what it was. Right. Right. But, but now we wouldn't change it for the world because it's opened our eyes to how big the world is. And bringing Esther into your life and allowing you guys to really embrace and celebrate her culture is just a beautiful way to, my, like, to bring the world together, to bring... Yeah. It's beautiful, I think, yeah. more than it isn't. I, I know that there's so much, I, and I don't want to say sadness, but like heaviness in adoption that we always talk about. But I like the, you know, Mal and I, we got to celebrate the beauty in it too. Yes, absolutely. And I think everything can be twofold in that way. You know, adoption as a whole, it just stretches you. It, it forces you to grow. And it, it kind of brings out this level of humility in yourself because you realize your flaws and I think that um, a transracial adoption a transcultural adoption it just adds an even thicker layer of like bringing out and revealing places that you had you needed to grow a little bit in but I think ultimately it makes us better people it makes our families better families yeah I I love that I was gonna go back if it's okay I meant to tell you guys this earlier we were talking about Esther and like like when she struggles, you know, like I don't look like you, what, what we do. Um, one of the other things that's literally almost every night we do, we talk about how beautiful she is and how beauty is based on your inside, not your outside. And so I will ask her, Esther, are you beautiful? And she'll say yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, why are you beautiful? And she'll say, because God loves me. And I think just solidifying what is true beauty, because that's not our, what our culture says for her, mm-hmm. even when like mom and dad, like we don't, I don't look like you, like I'm different. Like she still knows she's beautiful because that is her definition of beauty, not something that someone would tell her. So I just want to slide that back in. No, I mean, no, that's, I, love I love that. that. That's her, her identity. That's her, her identity. Her worth and her beauty comes from, mm-hmm. is in Jesus, not in. That's right. You know, not in her hair, although beautiful. You it's know what I mean? so it's, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. I know. Yeah. I love her girls. <laughs> So what would you say to prospective adoptive families that are thinking about adopting and adopt transracial adoptions are obviously something that families have to consider. What would you say to families that are considering that right now? I mean, I would have, of course want to encourage it because it's, it's been an adventure. Like it's been wonderful, but I would also say like, like we talked about, like check yourself as much as you can prepare, try to prepare for the differences that are going to come um, for the things that you don't even realize, like the way you, maybe you talk or like we talked about the things in your home, like prepare um, for those things. And then also prepare to also be humbled. I've had to, at, at times, like, especially early on when I was talking about when people would say stuff about her hair and stuff, like, and I sometimes felt attacked. Like I had to be humbled to say, you know what? Like I've mothered three boys already, but I have zero idea what I'm doing with a girl, especially a girl that doesn't look like me. And so that, I think that too, but all, overall, you should be excited <laughs> because it's wonderful. Like, it's just, it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, Esther's only eight. So you have a, a lifetime 
a lifetime to do this and you know embracing different cultures and race it is a lifelong journey and Mm -hmm. you know so that's it's not something i feel like you can say you've ever arrived at the end of saying oh i get it i get that culture you know and i think it's just you know as adoptive parents and as parents in general it's just our duty to allow our kids to embrace their god-given beauty ethnicities race whatever it might be and and giving them that like okay and that nudge and that you know to explore that and something else too like as they get older and they become like like this your child like I don't look at her and think she's adopted you know what I mean? like she's my of course she's my kid yeah mm-hmm. but in that like forgetting I don't want to forget that she does look different than me does that make sense like mm-hmm. I still yes. want to see her color and I still want to celebrate it and I feel like sometimes we get so comfortable like we just we forget those little things that which is mm-hmm. a big thing to her we forget to celebrate that yeah, it's like colorblindness. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not a, uh, you don't want to be colorblind. Right. 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 Because. Yeah. And, and even not even in like um, skin tone, but just like coming from any sort of different ethnicity as well or culture, um, like they might not look completely different from you. Like I know that our son, like people tell us all the time, oh, he looks just like Tim. And we're like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even though he doesn't look completely different than us there's so many things about his background being Japanese and Native American that we still could do a better job at folding in and so not even like the things that are on the outside like physical you know appearances but like also just like the habits and the food and the music like you said of like different cultures too and I think it 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 all comes back to that intentionality like you were saying at the beginning of the episode like being really intentional to draw those things in that wouldn't have been naturally in your home and incorporating them a little bit and celebrating them yeah what a wonderful gift that you get to do this though I mean and I feel that way too is just like our daughter is it's funny so I want to go back to this the comment of you saying in stores, people will give you comments about her hair and stuff like that, right? They'll say, oh, her hair, her hair, yeah. oh, whatever. Um, we That is the number one thing about our daughter that people just love to point out the difference. Everywhere we go, and I don't know why, like, mm-hmm. like we're, we're all three together and they're just obsessed with pointing out where'd she get her hair from? Where'd she get her hair from? Her hair's so dark. Why'd she get her hair? The curls. I'm like, ugh. Like, it's just <laughs> always so much of a thing and you're like... You, you don't want to be offended, right? You want to like celebrate and, but you don't always want to go into it with strangers. Like, oh, her birth mom has dark hair. You know, you don't always want to have that conversation. But yeah, anyways, those, those are the, some of the things that we jump in and embrace anyways, because it's part of the, the journey we're on and the gift that we have of raising these kids. For sure. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Tiffany. Honestly, this conversation is so needed, so important. And we're so grateful that you were, you know, willing to, have it with us. And um, I and I know certainly our listeners are going to take a lot of wisdom from what you had to say and um, hopefully make some shifts in, in their life and their perspective and embracing different cultures and and considering it a, a beautiful thing more than more than a challenge. You know, every episode of Funding Love podcast, we might sound like we're done, but we always like to end it with a fun little lighthearted question. I'm going to throw it over to my co-host, Mal, because she is the one who always likes to give this question. Mal, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so we always like to end our episodes with a Disney question. And don't worry, it's not trivia. Although I have a feeling if we asked you (laughs) Disney trivia, you would nail it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Don't do it. Don't do it, though. (laughs) No, but um, so... Today is February 13th, and tomorrow is Valentine's Mm. Day. So we just wanted to know, fun Disney question, who is your favorite Disney couple? Oh, man. 
That's a hard one. I know. So we, we, we were talking about it before you before we started recording. Mal and I were because we were just kind of, you know, doing our thing, talking our Disney stuff. Yeah. So, I there's mean. so many cute Disney couples. so many cute Disney couples. Yes. I, I mean, I kind of want I, I kind of want to say something like a Lion King couple, but they're not like people. Like, I can't, oh, that's, no, that's like a Disney couple. That, okay, does that count? It does. It totally does. does. Um, but, Simba and Nala. Yeah, but then I also, um, of course, uh, Belle and why am I blanking? What's Beast? This? Beast. Yeah, Prince I mean, Adam. <laughs> did, it, did he have a name? What was Prince his name? Adam? Yes, it's Adam. Yeah, so that's why we're not doing trivia. Um, I, w- <laughs> I would think of that one too. So yeah, yeah, those are yeah. my favorites. Mal, Mal, what about yours? Yes, I was saying. I think it comes down to two for me, and it's a hard toss. I think I I love Rapunzel and Eugene Flynn Rider. I just think that they're so adorable and he is hilarious. Um, but I also love Anna and Kristoff. Like they just feel like everyday people. I don't know. I love Kristoff and his love for Anna is just adorable. Those are honestly two good ones. Now, I would have to say Rapunzel and Eugene just because Tangled's on in our house probably every day. So <laughs> I just feel like it's in, in my face and I love it so mm-hmm. much. Um, but I mean, can you really beat Minnie and Mickey? I don't think I mean, so. Can you? I know. Do you guys, <laughs> do, you, do you all remember, be, like, before the stage show they had now, they had Dream Along with Mickey. It was like the stage show during I the don't. day. No. You don't remember that show? Oh, my gosh. Please go on YouTube and okay. watch Dream Along with Mickey. It's so much better than this Friendship Fair. I don't okay. love Friendship Fair. It's fine. Yeah. However, Dream Along with Mickey was so cute. And there was a point in it where all the princesses come out. And because Minnie wished to be a princess, and Minnie's like, oh, I just wish I could be a princess. And Minnie, Mickey says, you'll always be a princess to me. Oh, and Minnie. every oh, time I would God. just cry. <laughs> I would cry every time. The show happened like three times a day, and every time I'd see it, I'd cry. It's just oh, so I sweet. Mickey is such a dapper guy. He is. So, so cute. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Mickey and Minnie forever. Um well, thank you so much, Tiffany. This was a blast, and um, hopefully, we can have you get on in the future. It I would be awesome. That. Thank you, guys, awesome. for what you're doing too. It's just—it's incredible. I think it's making a bigger difference than you guys realize, may ever realize. Um, it's just oh. incredible. So, thank, thank you. you, thank you for thank saying you that. so much, yeah. and yeah. thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Funding Love Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Funding Love Podcast. Funding Love is a crowdfunded nonprofit, which means that people like you can help make a lasting impact on the adoption community through your generous support. And there are so many ways to do that. You can sign up to give monthly or just a one-time gift at fundinglove.com backslash donate. Or you could visit fundinglove.com backslash shop to visit our online store. There you will find clothing, mugs, hats, stickers, water bottles, you name it. And 100% of the proceeds from each purchase will go towards our mission of supporting the adoption community. However you choose to partner with us, you can feel confident that you are funding love.